It was on the 17th of March, the weather was calm and warm. And I rode for recreation down by the river end, where I espied a multitude of molly sons so gay. And her music would delight you while the ribbon bands in play. Well, around Rossley, the owners had a, a, an outlook of, uh, as the saying is, uh, come day, go day, God send Sunday. They were always a, a people that took life easily, more easily than what the north of Fermanagh did now. Well, I stood amazed, I am amazed, I wondered with surprise. The clothing that the war it was dazzling to my eyes. There was every lad a handsome lass with heart and hand it go. Ah, you would think that they came from Corner Creeve or Fulham down here below. Rossley is romantically situated near the celebrated mountain of Carnmore. This is Lewis of the famous topographical dictionary speaking. From its summit there are seen 32 lakes, including Loch Erne, and its deep glens are inhabited by a numerous class of peasantry of singular habits and great originality of character. In the year 1819, on Sweet July, when leaves were green, there was a wedding held one day near the town of Fame Ross Day. Of mountaineers, I do protest that they'd assemble many a guest, and I was one among the rest. Such a rabble came from Cairn Moor, above 11 and 20 score, of rich and poor, of old and young, of lame and blind, of deaf and dumb. Collected there upon that day, all dressed up, gaudy, fine and gay. There was tinkers, barbers, brewers, bakers, carpenters and brogue makers, gunners, hatters, wheelwrights, tailors, uh, whitesmiths, gunsmiths, blacksmiths, nailers, bobbin tossers, millers, doctors, gay old twisters, and tidy porters, mud larkers, noggin weavers, bog trotters, slaters and pavers, <laughs> fifteen set of sparable weavers, bism makers, butchers, cleavers, painters, Hacklers, cutlers, coachmen, footmen, cooks and butchers. Besides to this assembly came a multitude I cannot name. With harps and pipes and fiddles too, they made a merry jovial crew. They all got seated round, about ten dishes of cold cannon. As a Tyrone man, John, I've often felt there was something very special about Fermanagh. There were so many things, so many old traditions here in Fermanagh that we hadn't got. Would you think that would be true yourself? Oh, I believe that's very true. I'll be true. There's a lot of things in Fermanagh, where these Loch Erne and a lot of hills and mountains about it too that's just not in Tyrol. For ourselves here, we're living on a part of a valley below the mountain. It's a kind of midland land, fairly good for crops, some of it, and some of it good for grazing. And it's partly this last while used us for grazing. Because the cropping, it's not like when the time was 
the people was getting a subsidy on potatoes and corn, the war time, and there was more of it put in than what's put in now. Nearly any farmer, no matter how big or small he is, a garden of potatoes doesn't at the present time. What about uh, animals? What sort of farming? Do you have many cattle around these parts? Well, there's a terrible lot of cattle at the present time. There'd be up to 10 or 12 times as many, anyone more, as a rule. Nor was kept in my young days, anyway. The man that'd have, we'll say, three and four and five cows, well, that was counted a, a farmer at that time. That same farmer at the present time round this part of the district, he'd have 40 or 50, and maybe 60 and 70. In fact, round about here at the present time, there is that much. It has multiplied up that much. And you'd even make songs in the old days about the cows. Oh, aye, there was some, sometimes there were songs made about them, according to the action they taken. There was one famous cow, Tom Kelly's cow. What happened to her? Ah, yes, she... Tom used to be a man that... He was fond of an odd bottle, and he might be away for a while. He was away for a day or two this time that he had a barrel of stuff step. He made a wee drop of his own, you know. What we call around this country the hard stuff, or clear stuff. So, uh, after the a term of a day, or maybe two days before Tom came back, the cow got dry, and... Tom had this barrel stepped a veil in the corner of the bay and she pulled and broke her stick. Got to this barrel. She must have taken a brave support. And maybe I could tell you something about it. There's a boy in our country, he's proper but small. It's we Tommy Kelly as we do him call. It's him brews the cargill that exceeds them all. He can beat all the doctors from this to Fingal. If you're sick and were ready to die, one glass of Tom's parking would raise your heart high. You could heave it up higher and near to your nose. It's an Irish man's toast than wherever he goes. Oh, Tommy, the rascal of lead did begin with steaming hot water to brew his pikeen. He stepped it in barrels, I hear people say. The cow took an ocean of drinking one day. When the cow took an ocean, this drink for to take, she pulled and she pulled and she pulled out her stick. When she got to the bottle, sure she drank her fill. Oh, be jippers, says Tom, she's left none for the still. Next morning the cow awoke with the sad broken horn. Cursing the day and the hour she was born. 
She cursed Tommy and John, Mr. Beatty, likewise, and all the still tinkers that's on the skies. You were telling me there, Pat, that you would recognise a man from Ross Lay by his accent. Well, we know the different roads to come, but I couldn't uh, tell you what particular part of Rossley or any part of the country your man would come from. But uh, they speak faster in the Newton Butler area than they do in the Derry Lynn area, and I think the Rossley accent is more Monaghan. I had two Monaghan men in here one day, and they were around the shops, and uh, they come in to ask me where I come from, so I said I come from Derry Lynn. They thought I was slower. They couldn't understand the people here in the shops at all because in Nisnesky they talk a bit faster. And uh, in Newton Butler it's the same. But Rossley is more a man of an accent to me, I think. It, well, there are some people it. even who find a bit of the Cork accent in it. Uh, well, no, that would be in Maguire's Bridge now. Maguire's Bridge area, they sing the accent. So it was described to me as a Cork or Welsh accent. Well, do you think the the sort of country that people live in has a, an effect on that, whether it's a mountain area or a yeah. lake area or yeah. anything like that? Well, we, we recognise that people come from the mountain mostly because they speak louder, they shout. And somebody described it to me one time that people were so friendly that when they saw a man in another field in the morning, they had a, how do you do, and a shout over about their cattle or something. Uh, people in town don't do that. They don't shout at other. Well, you think the way out in the open spaces there now, if you were talking to a man out in the country, you wouldn't have to shout much at him, would you? Oh, but he might be <laughs> on the other hill. <laughs> you see, he might be another hill away. There was a man telling a story over at Derry Lynn, you see, that was sick, and he met him in the fair, and he says, I'll be over at Cayley some night. He used to Cayley with him before he got sick. So the man said, well, well the change of air will help you. He was coming over just only one hill. <laughs> Behind on blue mountain where the summit stands high, I watch the sun rising so proud in the sky. Where the great clouds were drifting and the sun beamed all through, o'er the high lofty hills in the county Tyrone. Fare you well on to Clogher, likewise five mile town, where we danced and played football with our comrades around. For singing or dancing, her equals unknown. For the charming wee lasses I met in Tyrone. My poor heart is a-breaking with sorrow and pain. My friends and companions I'll never see again. Its lakes may go dry and its streams cease to moan before I forget of you, lovely Tyrone. Well, now, you live near the border here, John. How far, in fact, are you from the border? Oh, well, as an average, I'm about five miles from the border. 
mightn't be in places, there's places the border comes in within three miles. And yeah. what would you regard as the principal town now for yourself and your people here? Well, Clunus used to be our uh, market town, you know, although that uh, many people before the border came there, they'd prefer Monaghan town. And did a lot of them go to Monaghan market, you see. In them days, they used to sell hay and straw and everything from here. It'd be to Monaghan that go with the uh, horses and carts. A hay and straw. It was the best market for it. But for potatoes and small pigs, you know, suckers and everything else, Clunus was the main market from this district. But you still go to Monaghan, and a lot of trade would be between here and Monaghan oh, across I the border. We still let Monaghan, and there's still a lot of trade going on. In fact, there, there be sometimes some smuggling going on between the two places. You know, usually is something to be smuggled. <laughs> there's always <laughs> some wee thing, yeah. yeah. The but but what's, the, what's the worst effect of the border? What way does it affect your own life now, say? Ah, well, you know, when it, it isn't too bad now, you know, it's not as bad as it was, but it affected you badly when uh, y your market town was cut off. And even when uh, customs and one thing and another, when they were tight or not what they're now, it's not too bad at the present time. But you were, it was very troublesome. And, and you say that in spite of the fact that there's plenty of trouble at the moment. And plenty of trouble <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, but even so, you you say that, that it's still not too hard to go across the border. Oh, no, not too bad at the present time. No, not too bad only where you have to go around where they have blew up some bridges there. In fact, at Lackey Bridges blew up at the present time. You have a bit to go around now. The roads diverted away around till the Maravillian. Well, that must inconvenience it's people. Very, it's, uh, it's very tr much trouble to the people now. Father Livingstone, would the situation of a place like Ross Lay have much bearing on its history, do you think? Oh, very much so. And when we look at the modern boundaries that we have, we're inclined to think, uh, sometimes I think that they were, they were always permanent. But uh, in medieval times, uh, certainly, Rosslea had more to do politically with um, part of Monaghan and part of Tyrone than it had with, indeed, any part of Fermanagh. There was a kingdom that uh, the MacDonald family uh, ruled over, which stretched from Clonus away out uh, the Rosslea country, out in the direction of the modern five-mile town, and uh, Rosslea was part of it. Uh, later years, it became known as Clan Kelly. And this was one of the last parts of Fermanagh to, to fall to the almighty Maguires, who uh, only began to become prominent, I would say, about 1300. Mm -hmm. And what effect had the Maguires, in fact, on that area? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> the Maguire, actually, who was responsible for conquering the Rosslea area, and Clan Kelly was Donoghue Callach Maguire, who died, I think, about 1474. 
Now, uh, he tried to formanize uh, the area, as it were. In actual fact, it seems that the Maguires who came with him and who settled in the area were themselves Monaghanized, because we find uh, these precise Maguires joining with the McMahons of Monaghan uh, in raids on Fermanagh against the uh, original Maguires, so that... Um, uh, instead of becoming part of Fermanagh, it would seem that the Maguires who came here became part of Monaghan. John Caron, would you say there's anything particular about the area around Rossleigh? Well, around Rossleigh, the owners had a, uh, an outlook of... Uh, as the saying is, come day, go day, God send Sunday. They were owners, a, a people that took life easily, more easily than, than what the north of Fermanagh did now. They were more inclined to uh, be more Western than, than what uh, the area below in Skittle was. Was there any particular reason for this? Well, uh, I don't know. It was just the, 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 it's, uh, the, that environment that uh, prevails even still around Lissonski and uh, Newton Butler and Rossley and even Derry Lynn. It's the the roots are more western or southern southwestern than uh, and more with cabin than they are actually with uh, Tyrone or or uh, further down. And of course, you have a ridge of mountains there too. That probably you have, affects yes, them. That's, the, the, that's to the north, is it? To or the, the north, west? That the Clocher Valley is uh, more in the Tyrone area than what uh, it would be in Fermanagh. There's an area there stretches into. Uh, uh, County Monaghan, in by Teddy Abnett and uh, uh, that other place, uh, in by Teddy Abnett, in round that way, and uh, even on over as far nearly as Clogher. But uh, it's a, there's a different atmosphere in that whole area than what there is. I believe the even same. the accents are different. Yes, there is. Well, there's even a different accent here in in, in this side of the lake, and the other side of the lake. We'll say the the, the other side of the lake. Uh, uh, is more cavern accent. I'm from over that way myself, or was born over there. And uh, I was discussing at one time with a, with a, the clerk of the rural council here, uh, Robert Erwin, the late Robert Erwin, Lord of Mercy. And uh, I said to him, uh, for instance, uh, I can't understand how you uh, you feel so much of a difference in the Beantholos and the Beantholos, as they call them. <laughs> and he says, Society, for instance, you'd never think I was a Beantholo. Not to see if you kept your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Rosley is a um, peculiar place in the sense that uh, it does seem to have um, given protection or given welcome indeed to um, resistant movements of one kind and another down the centuries. Uh, we find, as you say, the, the United Irishmen were prominent there. I think the man most responsible for that was a Captain Thompson, uh, a Protestant from the area who'd spent a long time in Belfast and who had joined the United Irishmen when up there. But you don't forget that the, the Orange men came to Rosleigh earlier than they came to many parts of County Fermanagh as well. So that as what well period as, would that be? Well, it would be in the closing years of uh, the closing 1790s, just. That would be shortly, shortly after, after the, the foundation, exactly, yes. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about the Fenians then? You know, would would that tradition have continued on then to the Fenian times? Would there have been any traditions well, about the Fenians? Well, yes, and uh, of course there were Fenians in Rosleigh. I would uh, be inclined to think uh, about this in the same way as one would think about um, 
the Rice family of T. Holland, which isn't very far away in County Monaghan. The Rice family were very prominent in the 98 period, they were prominent in the Fenian period, and they were prominent at a later time. And it's probably the same families who handed down the tradition of resistance um, from the 98 period down to the Fenian period and down to a later period as well. The same surnames you'll get being associated with the various movements. Mm -hmm. Well then, the Molly Maguires, as they called them, came along. Uh, they're an organisation that's very hard, I suppose, to get any real solid information about it. Well, I would be against looking upon the Ribbon Men or the Molly Maguires as a vast, a massive, coherent movement, well organised and well disciplined. I would think that Molly Maguires was a name given locally in various places to bands of people who grouped together, possibly to protect people, possibly to oppose the landlords, and uh, in fact um, one group of Molly Maguires probably had very little to do with the neighbouring group. Um, in the Rosslea context, uh, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, they would have got the name at least from neighbouring Throne. Mm, that's where the, the original Molly Maguire was, you think? Well, I think, but I wouldn't be sure. It's in the prison, Molly sons, I'm going to sing you a song. They are a noble body to her that do belong. They are a noble body, they're sturdy, stout and free. They can root out all the fenders and plant the laurel tree. I used to talk about the bad times longer when people was taken up on maybe them innocent people and hung on scaffolds in the public for nent all hands out on a public green or some place in a town. It was it must have been a terrible time. I just don't remember that now, but I used to hear the old people talking about it. Well you heard about the Rosley Martyrs things <coughs> Yes, I heard about them. Who were they? The McMahons. In this place here just in Knocknagross or near this place anyway there was the McMahons, the ancestors of them, lived here. And I've always heard when they were hung in Inniskilton on the square yonder, in public, they were carried home in a coffin, and the candles was lit there in front of the coffin with people marching, and they never went out to the landed in Rochelet graveyard. The candle still kept lit. This was in the 98 period? That was in the 98 period. And why were they hanged, do you think? Well, I suppose it's much the same as the trouble that the, as is now. They'd be supposed to be looking, I suppose, for freedom for their country. and They'd be condemned for it. Mm-hmm as you see they're doing at the present time. And 
Well, now, at that particular time, most of the fighting in the north was in County Antrim and County Down, and a lot of people would think there wasn't very much activity in Fermanagh at all. No, I suppose you would be right, but still, they were spread all over, it seems, now. There were a lot in this county, too, it seems. And Did you ever hear of the Ribbon Men? Oh, I hear tell of the Ribbon Men, all right. Were they plentiful around here? <clears throat> well, they say there was plenty of them. They say there was. Were there any songs about the Ribbon Men? Oh, there was a uh, few songs about them, surely. And as part of it, uh, in a song, in James McGee, this, he talks about it, of them being welcome in his house. He was taken up and sent away to a foreign country for a long term. Well, this was around the same period as John as John Mitchell was. Around it? about that time, I the hear... The Young Irelanders. The, yes, I hear the old people saying that. It was the time that John Mitchell was taken. Around about that time, they, ta they took him to. And, of course, he got married... Uh, his aunt got married to a Protestant man, an Orange man, they called him, and... He had a nice estate or a nice place to live, and they thought to themselves, this aunt thought to, him, to herself, if James was away from about the place, McGee was away, that she'd fall in the only air of it. I'll sing you a wee bit of the song anyway. Oh, James Maggie, they do call me the same, I won't deny. Far from my house on country, I was obliged to fly. For the sake of houses and free land, my aunt against me swore. So now I must prepare to sail far, far from more. My father and my mother died, I had one aunt alive. She married an orange man, and with him did contrive. That if he'd swear my life away, it's hanged I might be. And then she'd fall the only heir of all my property. In the Rossley area there, that particular area, there seems to have been too, a bit of tradition of opposition to authority and oh, all that there, sort of there, thing. There, and there illegal activities always seem to have flourished, like cockfighting and punching yes, making and all those correct. things. Yes, correct. All them things... Uh, they did prevail, uh, and there was always a, a national spirit around Rossley and Adam Seaway uh, that uh, 
that didn't just uh, get as deeply rooted in the rest of the county. What period would that go back to? Oh, now? Be the, the ninety-eight period, yes, and on, and then the, during the Land League days too. What were the landlords like around here, in fact? Well, uh, some of them were. Uh, the Aarons, for instance, they were very good landlords. They never were were uh, very. Uh, they never had very many evictions on their estates now, uh, like what we re- heard and knew about other parts. The Aarons were all very good. The Whitesets weren't ba- bad either. They prevailed mostly around Rossley and that area into Monaghan. But uh, the Aarons did uh, a lot of. Uh, of good around Lissenskey. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're, 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 they have left a lot of property to uh, the town of Lissenskey. So that there was never any great land agitation around there, well, or no. whatever there was at no, the settled early? There was uh, agitation on the Madden Estate now, which runs uh, out that area towards uh, Derry Lee and on into Newton Butler area there. There was a bit of agitation one time there. Uh, I remember old Cornell Madden used to come here about 1924-25 to lift his rent and um, you used to have to when you went in to pay the rent you used to have to do off the hat and uh, this man the name of Murphy from out there uh, uh, he uh, refused to take off his hat and there was a bit of a row and uh, Madden knocked the hat off him but uh, in the office this occurred and uh, there was law about it afterwards, but Murphy beat Madden, and from that day afterwards, Madden never came back to Lissenskey. Well, now, you have uh, been in Tyrone a few times, I'd say, John, and you, oh, of course you were in England and Scotland, and you worked there, didn't you? Yes, in them places all. And a lot of people from this part of Fermanagh went way like that too. Oh, so they did die. A lot of them went from Fermanagh round these quarters away to Scotland, away to the north of Scotland and to Glasgow and some of them to England. Not as many in my day went to England now. Mostly all from this part of the country used to go to Scotland. What would they do over there mostly? Oh, just work and some of them in the coal mines and some of them in uh, in these tunnels that were sinking out in the north of Scotland. A lot of people too went to the hiring fairs. Young people went off to be hired. Oh yes, in, in the good lands further east, as we yes, say. Yes, and the hiring fairs was very prominent in my day. Now, in my young days, getting up, there was. Hiring fairs over six months all over this part of the country and every town in it nearly. Where would you go from here now? Where would the nearest one be? Well, the nearest one would be in Rosley. Well, there was always a higher and fair in Rosley, the 8th of May and the 8th of November. Of course, some people that hired with a man, if they thought well of him and them agreed well, there was no call for them going out to hire again, stayed on and he gave them the same wages and maybe a raise. If he thought well, then he gave them a raise of wages. The wages wasn't big at that time, no. About how much would it be for six months or a year? Oh, around about six pounds was for the six months at that time. And the food wasn't all that good or the Well, dodgings? that was another problem, you see, that people didn't stay. The food was 
very poor and a lot of times you you wouldn't get very strong to you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's putting it mildly. Yeah. Well now there are songs too about the hiring fairs, oh, aren't they there, are. John? They are. I'll give you a wee verse about one from Oma Town here, just the barn. From home town until Straban one morning all I took me way When all along the road was thronged with lads and lasses fine and gay It was there I spied a charming maid was walking slowly by herself For fear the rain or clothes would stain I did I extend my umbrella how far do you travel along the road on this fine summer's morning? No, it's too strabon, she kindly says. Do you not know this is hiring day? Well, when they weren't <coughs> at the hiring fairs and working, what way did people spend their leisure time in the old days, John? Well, in their old days there was football, you know, at that time too, and there was a lot of people took interest in football. Some people would take an interest, will say, they'd go to a big river for to fish or to a loch. They'd put in their leisure time there when they had some time for to spare, they'd go to the loch and fish and, or to the river. And there are plenty of lochs around here, of course. Well, they're not scarce. No. <laughs> no. And what the about wa- hunting? The, wa- the water's not scarce. The water's not scarce. No. Are the fish scarce? They're, well, they're not. They're not so scarce at the present time. These, the is very good now. These places where they've put in the trout, such as Cranny there and Killafoolloch, and they say they're very good. They're very nice. What about this, hunting then, John? Oh, well, it was when it came to that time of year, but, of course, the hunting season was always generally about this country in the winter season, when all the crops and potatoes and corn and everything had been gathered in hay and the start of the hunting. It was a great game now. This now is a particular kind of hunting, though. It's not all this dressed-up thing that you get sometime in certain parts of the country. No, 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 it's just the ordinary hunting with hounds, you know. There'd be no horses at all? Well, very few about here. Well, I've seen them in w- at one time now here with the horses. I've seen them a couple of times. But most people would go on foot? Mo- oh, most people goes on foot. And most of course people. it's the hare that's hunted? It's the hare that's hunted. Oh, I have seen the horses a few times now, but that'd be only a couple of horses altogether. You see, at the rest of the men, and it'd be all on foot. How far would you follow a hunt? Oh, in fact, you followed it a long road. You could follow it for four or five square mile round you, a hunt at, in my young days. And in fact, in then in the summertime there was a hunt. There was, of course, there was no crop nor no thing for to prevent them. It was all heather on Clocher Hill. I'd been on it myself. That was the twenty sixth of July. That was in the summertime. Now it's was 
That was an interesting thing because it was a very big mountain. In this side of Clawhart Town, it ran on down into it nearly. And the people all went there in the summertime. In fact, I'd been on it a few times myself. What about cockfighting now? I'd say there'd be a good few people around Ross Lay who have indulged in the cockfighting. Oh, there would be several of them now. There was a wee man close by to where you are now. He used to be a great man for, as the saying is, handing cocks and spurring them for battles. And he rarely to be a brave few of the cocks. What special qualities does the fighting cock have? Well, I suppose the ability to fight is the main thing. The ability to fight's the main thing, but uh, they used to say in early days that a brown-red was the most hardiest and firmest and best cock to put to the pit. I'll sing you a wee verse of a song about a man that reared them on fought battles in this country. <coughs> oh, it's often noted brown red cock and follow him he did walk. He learned his bold exercise because he was taunt. That brought him down to Lurgan on the twelfth day of July. To fight against a piley cock, the cheers would reach the sky. Oh, then up comes Jordan O'Riven, not and he stepped until the ring. Sin I'll make a pit for Kelly's cock, let him either lose or win. There was some now for to laugh at him, and some till on him frown. Sin he'll never want a pit again if he pits porty down. At the fourth now hard engagement, the pile lost an eye. Oh, come on, brown, red, and brave, Larry said, you never come here to die. Then Larry to the station flew with a brown board in his hand. He says to Josie Luther, come on, the Morpheus can. Right well, I know yous are afraid your pile to lay down, for he ne'er could fight that wee brown red was reared in Fulham Town. Sandy McConnell, this is a great county for traditions. Why do you think they've survived so long here and have died out in other places? Ah. Uh. I think it is because there wasn't so much emigration to England and America as there used to be. And uh, 
again. Uh, there was no halls, you know, dance halls. I remember the first hall, and in this part was started. It was built in about 1924, and there was house parties, little house parties and dances given about Christmas and uh, the people that were invited they gave her a torn dance and uh, these songs and uh, music old songs and music and uh, stories uh, was kept alive just by these little parties people mixing through other in their own district that's one reason and uh, the other reason is that there was no gramophones nor uh, uh, television television or, or anything yeah. to uh, amuse the people and uh, there was killers chat around the fire and everything was discussed from ghosts to uh, strange appearances of everything mm. and uh, phantom funerals which is a funeral that someone that met funeral on a road in the middle of the day uh, on a straight road it has been told happened here in uh, down about Irvinstown I think mm. and uh, man met a big funeral and went on State Road and went to half a mile or so. Someone coming behind. I thought, who was the This man that saw the funeral asked, who's the funeral? What funeral? He says, I met no funeral. Mm. You see. And that's supposed to be someone that has died in America and wished to be buried in their home ground. Mm. And uh, they were granted that privilege. Well, the people would really believe these things in the old days, of course. They would. Mm. And There'd be no question of it at all. Uh, there'd be no question of it yet. Yeah. Well, it was an area, you see, that uh, among themselves, the Caelid among other, and uh, you'd have a Caelid here the night and in some other man's house the morning night, and there'd be, uh, if they gathered in five or six or seven, we'll see into a house and there'd be boys and girls and both in it that strike up a dance and one thing and another and an odd verse of a song and it still kept up this old traditional and style. Every, everyone would be expected to sing a bit too well, uh, or play be, something. That uh, If they didn't sing, they'd be a wanted to play a flute or fiddle or even as far back as a trump. That's the, the Jews harp some yeah, people Yeah, the Jews it. harp some people because that's yeah. right. Well, what's the most common instrument now? Well, the most common instrument in this part of the country would be the fiddle and the flute and accordion. Yeah, the accordion's coming in in recent years, isn't well, it? Well, it is now, right. It's, it's, it's pretty good round this part of the locality now. Well, the there, there would have been a melodeon or a box of some oh, sort yes, in the past. Yes, yes, yeah. oh, so there was, aye. Mm -hmm. Well, it imitates the, the 
a cardigan too at Imitel, the cardigan melodious. Much the same music, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, they used to have crossroads dances. I saw the had. They called them penny dances at the crossroads. They collected a penny round and they used to have a dance at the crossroads of a Sunday evening. Well, to get back to the music, Sandy, it has special qualities too in, in these parts, hasn't it? Uh, it has, I suppose. Uh, well, I think that uh, when the farmers here around my part of the country, anyhow, the hired seven boys in Black Lion on the 22nd of May and the Terramors to the 22nd of November, that they come down and they brought the music with them, uh, particularly songs. Not many instrumentalists now, but they could whistle reels, jigs and horn pipes. And uh, I think that they were largely influenced here in Fermanagh by litre music, this part of Fermanagh. And Derry Lynn, as up uh, between us and Ballyconnell, it would be influenced by music from Cavan. Mm. And where did the songs themselves come from, uh, or a lot of them, do you think, Sandy? Well, I think where the songs come from, the songs that we have, uh, uh, would be to the time of the R.I.C., and when the southern fellas were sent up north, the northern fellas were sent down south, the the southern police, naturally enough, there would be uh, musicians, fiddlers and singers, and uh, they brought these songs with them, and uh, their real jigs and hornpipes still survive to the present day. But there are songs as well with actual place names from Limerick and Cork and things uh, like yes, that. Yes, and Bunny Killaloo is one. And uh, that one from, it's been, you'd hear it now on television, it was ourselves collected here from a fellow called Benny McGovern from Derry Lynn. Uh, Loch Bran uh, and uh, County Leeds from Queen. Mm-hmm. And uh, unheard of. They wouldn't yeah. even be sung in the county of origin. No. Yeah. And you, you'd sing them in the county of origin, they wouldn't, they'd never heard them before. Mm-hmm. See. Well, what about the other side then? A lot of songs seem to have come in from County Tyrone as well. Yes. Well, of course, I can't vouch for uh, the other side, how the, the Tyrone songs come in, but I suppose it would be probably the same thing, the, the big farmers hired the, the, the poorer classes from Tyrone and brought them in and they brought the Tyrone music with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course there'd be plenty... Yeah, as a matter of fact, it was the hard-working fella that was uh, working, he might say, for bread, for, for, us, for us, singing for a supper, in other words, that kept music alive at all in Fermanagh. Well, would he get some sort of remuneration for it, do you think? No, not at all. <laughs> he, it was in the Caelian houses. Do you know, there was always a famous Caelian houses. Yeah. For instance, you're sitting in one. 
<laughs> naturally enough. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, uh, One of the best known in the county, uh, I suppose. Yes. Uh, and uh, that's where they would sing these songs. Oh, I am a little tailor, I was born in Tyrone. I courted lovely Molly till I thought I had her won. She vowed for I to marry her, to that I'd ne'er agree. I'm ready to get shot of her. I rambled till her deal, ladly fall all the laddie. Fall all the lee, ladly fall all the laddie. Wasn't she able enough for me? I was not long now at me work past one day, two or three, till me rousing little Molly got there as well as me. She ne'er showed her appearance when she heard I won a thread, but she hired with a lady for to be her waiting maid, ladly fall all the laddie, fall all the lee, ladly fall all the laddie, wasn't she able enough for me? So there we have Ross Lay and this whole border area showing in the ballads and songs of one man, John Maguire, the same influences which shaped its social, cultural and political background. English, Scots and Irish have all left their mark on it. And yet, even in the context of the disturbed political situation existing today, the Ross Lea area is a remarkably homogeneous one. In a part of Ireland where a large measure of Anglicisation is to be expected, it remains fundamentally Irish, more tenacious in fact of old traditions, customs and culture than many geographically comparable parts of the country. In fact, when John Maguire reminded us at the very beginning of this programme that there's a lot of things in Fermanagh that there's not in Tyrone, he was merely stating something of a much more universal application. <laughs> 